You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Lacey and I'm the Allied Health Education Fellow in the RCH Education Hub. I also work as a tutor radiographer in RCH's medical imaging department. MRIs are an essential part of diagnostic imaging, but anyone who's been to an MRI area before would know that it's more secure than Alcatraz and you're bound to get interrogated in MRI more than a murder suspect, irrespective of whether you're a patient or healthcare worker. And there's a very good reason for that. So today I have Mike Keane with me. So Mike is the head of MRI at RCH and has been here ever since the first MRI was installed back in 1994, I believe. Uh, Mike is going to talk to us about MR safety. So this is an area that gives Mike a lot of headaches. Welcome, Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. So, Mike, let's start by talking about what MRI is. So it's, I'm opening a bit of a can of worms here because um, it's really, really complex. Even I can't get my head around it. Uh, but let's put it simply. How do we get an image using MRI? Okay, so there's a, there's a couple of things involved. There's a very large magnet, which is always on. The other thing we use, we use radio frequency. Um, that helps us generate images. So that has potential to uh, warm the patient or in the worst possible scenario, we can actually get burns. We change our local magnetic field, do the equivalent of the CT table moving and the CT gantry going around to um, localise slice and get resolution. And that's the noise in MRI. And then we put things on people like... um, uh, RF um, or radio frequency um, antennas, and they're just we call them coils, and they're they're different jobs for different coils, and um, so that sometimes makes it a bit uh, confining for the patient. So we have that issue to deal with as well. Great. Now, Mike, I know that you know a lot about MRI, and so to answer a question like that, I think you did very well to make it very simplistic. So good job. Most people would synonymize the medical imaging with being radiation, is there's no radiation with MRI though, is there? No, there's no radiation, Steve. Okay. So, and a question I get asked a bit, even by some healthcare professionals, is can the magnet be switched off? Now you said that the that it's always on. Can it be switched off? We can switch it off in the event of an emergency, but there's some caveats to that. If we switch it off quickly, that can be done within 30 seconds, but because it's a superconducting magnet, it's got liquid helium around it and we lose all that liquid helium. So there's about 1,100 litres of liquid helium in the magnet to help keep it cool, and we would lose all that and potentially damage the magnet. If we want to turn it off slowly, it takes about three hours, and we need engineers involved to do that. But yes, we can turn it off, but not in normal circumstances. Yeah, okay. Where does the liquid helium go? Okay, so if we were to um, turn it off and lose all that liquid helium, that expands at about 760 times per one litre. So it would end up with quite a large amount of uh, gas and that goes out to the atmosphere. And so there's big chimneys that come out near the uh, heliport or in theatre comes out um, in near the secret garden. And yeah, it comes out as white smoke, a bit of gas. Yeah, right. Okay. So we've established now that the magnet's always switched on. Let's consider a patient who's about to go and have an MRI. What are some of the things that they should consider wearing or not wearing? Okay, so this is a this is a very contentious point at the moment. <laughs> Sorry, it's a big can of worms. Um, so basically, because we're using radio frequency, this is potential for the patient to get warm. So light clothing's best, cotton with no sanitizing fabric within it. So a patient comes with lots of sparkles, or in the case of um something that you know lots of people wear now, um, sort of the compression um, leisure gear. 
they're no-nos because there is potential to get burns from that. They've got like a, a silver fibre or something yeah. like that in there, don't yeah, they? they? Yeah, they do. An antimicrobial fibre thing in there and um, that can burn. Yeah. I've got a list here in, in front of me that says no hair clips. Correct. No wigs. Some wigs we can. We have a metal detector and we would go over the wig. But So the, there is some from the oncology kids that we can have. Yeah, okay. No piercings. Piercings, again, contentious. Depends where they are. Most of them nowadays are sort of surgical stainless and they don't cause us an issue if they're not in the part that we're imaging. So if we're taking pictures of your brain, we take your ears, ear piercings out or nose and every other bit that gets pierced around your head <laughs> these days. Um, but if we're doing your belly and you had a belly ring in, that has to come out. Yeah, okay, cool. No watches or activity trackers or rings no. or anything like that? None of that? No. No dentures? Um, plastic dentures, fine. Yep, okay. What about face masks, Mike? Okay, so face masks, we there's a little metal strip in the face mask. And if we're doing something like a knee where you're going in feet first, you, you can wear them, but they will annoy you. So we take them off. Right. Okay. The last thing I had on my list was fake eyelashes. Oh, <laughs> can of worms. Depends how they're done. There's a lot of different ways to do them and prefer them not. Hair extensions, another one that get us. They're, they're bad, but probably the worst one that comes to, to most of us nowadays are braces. We can scan kids with braces, but if we're doing um, an MRI scan of their brain, especially for epilepsy or um, stroke, uh, that will seriously degrade our images. So in a lot of patients, like with oncology, we'll actually get the braces removed. That's obviously to do with your image quality in terms of the way that it affects your image quality. What effect does things like braces or even things like hair clips and stuff like that, what happens when they go into the room? Um, what will happen is the hair clip will come out it'll be picked up by the magnet and it'll fly down the bore of the magnet. By the time it's getting down near the front of the magnet, it's doing about 37 kilometres an hour. Mm -hmm. It has the potential to do some damage. That's why we have them out. Yeah, fair enough. So when patients are about to go and have an MRI, they have to fill in a safety form before they do. What are some of the considerations that we need to ask the patients? Okay, so we need to have an idea of what implants or medical devices are on the patient. So some things the magnet can affect, some things will affect the image quality on the scans. We have to work out both of them. So something as simple as the glucose monitors that are currently in the news that have been subsidised, they have to come off because we can actually damage them. There's a string of questions we ask. So any implant that they've had done, any infusion pump, all those sorts of things that they might have. So for diabetes or oncology, we need to know about so that we can prepare for them um, so that we make sure that we scan the patient in the safest possible way yeah. with the highest image quality. Most things we can scan with. So if you take the case of a patient with scoliosis surgery, they've got often long rods in their backs mm -hmm. um, and you would think, no, we can't scan them, but we actually can scan them. We can't scan them on all of our scanners. We have to pick which scanner we put them on and how we scan them. So we need to know what sort of implant it is because we have um, a library of implants and then we work out how we're going to sa safely scan the patient. Yeah. 
So it's obviously really important that we pick all this stuff up beforehand. Let's move on to those people who need to be in the scan room but aren't actually having the scan itself. So I'm talking about MR staff, uh, anaesthetics, nursing, et cetera. Do they need to fill the MR form out before working in this area? Yep. Everybody that works within MRI has to fill out the MR safety question because they won't affect the image quality, but we could affect implants that they have in. So if they were to have a pacemaker, we need to know about it because um, how they work in that environment changes. Yeah. And is that it? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Anybody that has follow-up surgeries or whatever, they have to tell us about it. Um, So we have an updated list. But also we require everybody to be MR friendly when they go into the room. So they can have no wallets, watches, magnetic strip cards, Fitbits, glucose detectors, all those sorts of things that we have on us. So all our nursing staff, our anaesthetic team that come down to work in MRI have to get rid of all those things before they actually come into the main part of MRI. They go into lockers. Then once they come through to us, we have a handheld metal detector. We put that over them to make sure that they haven't missed anything. Often that um, mobile phones get missed and you'd be surprised some of the places where people put them. Um, so <laughs> Find that with a metal detector. Yeah, we find it with a metal detector. <laughs> um, so then once that occurs, they have to tape their pockets Yeah. so that we know that we have checked them. And then now when they go back into the magnet room every time, we check them again, but also there's now uh, magnetic detectors on the doors in MRI, so they will pick up anything as well. What would happen if there was a met call in the scanner? Okay. Most of the time it's going to occur during an anaesthetic case, and we have ways of dealing with those. Sometimes it's safest to actually um, manage the met call in the magnet room. Other times we have to get the patient out in a hurry. So there's ways to do it. It depends on the case that we're doing. So ideally, most of them will come out of the magnet. We have detachable beds that we can pull out and get them into our pre-op hold area. A lot of the times, it's more that we manage in the room. There's been a lot of accidents and even more near misses with MRIs over the years, not necessarily at the children's, but at uh, other places as well around the world. What are some of the really severe ones that we know about or that you know about? Probably the one that started everybody reviewing their MR safety was 21 years ago in the US where a young patient having an MRI scan unfortunately got hit with an um, oxygen cylinder and passed away. Yeah, I think he was six years old, wasn't he? He was, yeah. yeah. Very sad, but that meant that everybody went and looked at everything that they've done. Everybody has them. Nobody's immune to them. A lot of people don't admit to them. We know when benchmarking our department to somebody else's around the country, they said they've had no, we've had no, no near misses and we've had no major accidents. But then you talk to other people that work there and they find out that, yes, we do. So all our near misses have to be reported um, through VIMS and it goes to the Hospital MR Safety Committee, um, which is a multidisciplinary panel and they're all scrutinised. So um, even the smallest one. And so this is where we've been really lucky. We've been working really well with Di Tucker and Amelia um, Costanzo. And, um, they have they're, from the, they're from the quality team. They're yep. quality team and they've helped us develop safety protocols that we feel are safe. Yeah, that's good. And, and, and that's the thing. It's it, each, I guess you kind of learn from, from the mistakes and stuff like that. And so you've kind of managed to get it to a point where you are actually a, a very safe uh, area at the moment. The other one that I wanted to highlight as well was there was one uh, about four years ago in India where a hospital worker carried an oxygen 
tank into MRI because somebody else told him that it was turned off. That that happens. And look, I can I've I've got dozens of images of these sorts of things. There's there's quite an, a, a good in, industry image about where there's actually a bed crumpled up against the magnet. The scanner had ferromagnetic detectors on the doors, and as the bed went past, it screamed and said, "Yeah, metal, metal." Um, and the person that was pushing the bed said, "It's fine. The magnet's off." So, oh, right. right. So, it happens everywhere. And look, we've had some really interesting near misses that really scared us. And so, hence, you know, this is where we are now with our safety protocols. Yeah, I think with that one in India, I was I was watching a little thing on uh, some American news channel that actually reported that he'd been sucked in to the MR scanner. Uh, and the preliminary report suggested that he, he'd inhaled liquid oxygen and that's how he died. <laughs> no, unfortunately, the, the ward boy, he copped the, he copped the beating for that. That patient sustained considerable injuries, um, internal injuries from it. And um, I think that's why yeah. the patient succumbed. Just, just going back to where you, are talking, where you were talking before about um, having to release all that liquid helium um, out into the atmosphere, what's the cost of that and what's the downtime of that? Okay, it's about $60 a litre if you can get it. Helium in its natural environment is, is getting to the point it's being hard to get. So MR manufacturers are actually making low helium magnets now. If we were to expel that gas, although it's got 1,100 litres of liquid helium in it, you need about 3,000 to top it back up because yeah. um, some of it boils off. Because it's at superconducting temperatures, um, it would boil off as we start to cool the magnet down again. So you need about 3,000 litres. And so most of it comes in from overseas. And so we, we have to um, have that supply. We're down for at least three days, provided there is no damage, internal damage to the magnet. Right. So we're looking at three days and about 200 grand, basically, yep. that, we're, that we're doing. Oh, God. jeez. <laughs> uh, that's not ideal when your waiting list for MRI is so high either, are they? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, look, thanks, Mike, for a great discussion and for helping us all understand more about MRI so that we can improve the MR safety. Do you have any last-minute tips for those coming into an MRI area of any clinical centre? Yes, listen to the MR techs. Know the local policies uh, when you're coming through and don't try and sneak something in there because somebody will find it. Um, it'll either be on the front of the magnet or the metal detectors will find it. So please just follow the local procedures. Make everybody safe because it's just not the staff, but it's also the patient. So if somebody was to decide, you know, they were expecting an urgent phone call and they tucked their phone away somewhere, hoping that they'd be able to pick up signal in the MRI, number one, you can't. But uh, number two, it could actually come out and um, unfortunately it could be their child that actually gets hit with something. So be aware that these things do happen. Please listen to the MR techs. That's great, Mike. Thanks very much. Look, uh, World MRI Safety Week is always the last week of July. Uh, whenever you go to MRI, please remember that although the safety measures may look pretty extreme on the outside, they are there for your safety and also for anyone else in the area as well. You don't want to end up being the subject of a news reporting that says that you were sucked into the MRI either. Thanks very much for the chat, Mike. No problem, Steve. Thanks for listening to Conversation with the Experts, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, check out our other podcast show, Teach, Think, Treat, where we discuss aspects related to teaching and learning in a busy clinical setting.